Hi. I'm Talia. <laughs> I'm Annika. <laughs> Together we are the Crazy Never Die podcast. And um we're going to be discussing some weird Nevada history um, and then probably go into just some other odd and unusual things that we want to talk about, that we want to research and and uh, go over. So, yeah. Do you have anything you want to add? No, I'm just excited. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've been planning this for a really, really long time. So we are super excited uh, to be doing our very, very first episode. Um and uh, yeah, we had some technical difficulties, but we worked <laughs> through it. And uh, today we are going to uh, go over in honor of Halloween when this episode's coming out. Um, I have a terrible fear of clowns. Okay. Um, <laughs> and the fear of clowns is actually called chol- cholrophobia. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but um, yeah, I hate clowns. Man, I've never uh, understood that. I know there's so many people really? that um, deal with that. I just never could wrap my mind around it. I'm like, they're so dumb. How are they, you know, <laughs> like, how can they be scary? I don't, but I respect it because, you know, I've got some weird fears myself, but the clown hotel motel is not a place I'd want to be. No, it's weird. Yeah, it just- I think that my clown phobia came from, um, I watched it when I was oh. six. Okay, that'll be yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't think I don't think I was allowed to because I can't imagine my parents would be like, yeah, sit down and watch this. I think it was one of those like I snuck in mm-hmm. and watched it while somebody else was watching it. Somebody in my family was watching it. And I, I do believe that has permanently, permanently <laughs> scarred me. I yeah, I watched I snuck gremlins when I was little, uh, and I still run and jump in the bed. So uh, because of that movie, I've never watched any scary movies until probably the last year because everyone really? around me is so into it. Yeah, I've never seen any of them. And I recently saw It and then Halloween so I could see Halloween Kills. That's that's about it. So, wow. yeah. I, I recently did a full um, Conjuring okay. rundown, yeah. like that whole Conjuring Annabelle the Nun and did it in order of when it was set. Okay. So that was um that was super fun. I love scary stuff. So well, I think, except for clowns. Uh, when it comes to the clowns, I'm more scared of the dust. Like usually, if people have a lot of clowns, there's probably a lot of dust on it, and that bothers <laughs> me. So I don't think that they clean them regularly. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a <laughs> there's a lot of dust at the motel. That's um, <laughs> All right. So do you know anything about the Clown Motel? Uh, not a lot. You know, I, I've seen a couple episodes on different shows um, and I drove past it on a, a road trip to Reno once, but I've never gone in depth with its history or background or or why it's stuffed full of clowns even. Yeah. Yeah. So it is in, uh, it's right in Tonopah, which is about 400, 450 miles north of Las Vegas. So yeah, I've also, I must have driven past it, but it's never like, I can't remember seeing it. So yeah, it's yeah. quick. If, but I know if you blink, it's, it's gone. Okay. I mean, if you blink, Tonopah's gone. Yeah, to be exactly. <laughs> so a uh, little information about Tonopah. It has 2,500 residents. And it used to have at its peak, because it is a boom town, about 10,000 residents. Wow. 
Yeah. It actually saved Nevada from bankruptcy because it produced more than $100 million worth of silver. Wow. Okay. So well, there's it a was one hero, of, right? Right. It was for sure wow. before, like, ever, you know, before Vegas. So it was, uh, it pulled us out of bankruptcy. Um, it is actually a beautiful place for stargazing. It is one of the darkest cities in Nevada. And you can see about two, what did I say, 25 to about 50 stars if you look up in the sky, especially in Las Vegas because it's so bright. Right. But in Tonopah, you can see up to about 7,000 stars. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. We were just talking, we went, so, we went to a corn maze the other day and we were just talking about how it's so dark, but you can't see any stars. So, okay, that's a cool place, a little visit just mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, you can. And they do, um, if you go onto their actual website, you can see they do special times of year and like walking tours yeah. and things like that. Stargazing tours that are just designed around uh, watching the stars. So Tonopah originally came to be um, because a man named Harry Stimler, who was a mining prospector, stumbled upon the Grandpa Mine, which was just a little bit south of Tonopah. So that was the big silver mine. Um, So the Clown Motel is named one of America's scariest motels. Mm -hmm. And it's actually located right next to the Tonopah Cemetery. Okay. Um. So I'm actually going to talk about the Tonopah uh, Cemetery as well today. Um, but it actually houses over 2,500 clowns. So that's where all your dust that is, ridiculous. is going to live. Yeah. That's outrageous. <laughs> it Why? is. It is. Okay. I, I don't know. Well, I'm, I've, I found some good pictures. We're yeah. going to post them on the Instagram for you guys so you can see what this atrocity looks like. <laughs> <laughs> so the motel was built originally in 1985 when Leroy David and Leona, brother and sister, built this in memory of their father, Clarence, who uh, was a clown lover okay. and left them <laughs> right <laughs> and left them over 150 decorative clowns in his home what a when he passed. Man. <laughs> right. What a legacy. Right. Um gosh, I can't. They decided help. to can you imagine? No. <laughs> <laughs> Your father um, has bequeathed to you clowns, can, lots of them. Can you imagine being that attorney? It's like, no. okay, so we're going to read this well, and uh, this is what you guys get, mm. the house and the clowns that live in them. And you said it was um, built in 85? Mm-hmm. Man. The motel was, I yeah. mean, that's when I was born. And I feel like that motel looks so much more aged. So I don't know if I'm doing well or it's doing bad, but I was going to put it, you know, in the 60s. You would think yeah. based on what it looks like on the outside, for sure. Okay. For sure. Um, anyway, they decided to use the clowns as the theme and the motel was born. Um, the motel was pretty solid until 1995 and was operated for the next 22 years by Bob Perchetti. Sorry, it was sold in 1995 and then um, was actually operated by one man for the next 22 years. Okay. In 2017, he put the motel up for sale for a mere $900,000. Oh, that's it, huh? That's it. Just a, just a drop in the bucket. That's it. Um, it did stay on the market for a couple of years and then it was purchased by Vijay Mahar, who gave the motel a facelift and then grew the cl- collection of clowns are you ready from 600 Mm -hmm. to over two thousand pieces (laughs) i can't imagine i use this app to keep track of my bills true bill and imagine if i it accounted for all these clown purchases what that would look like 
It's awful. Where do you even find 2,000 different clowns is what I want to know. A lot of yard sales or something. I did watch a video. Uh, what did I watch? I think it was Ghost Adventures. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was Ghost Adventures. And they went into the clown motel. And it it is so many individual clowns. It's not you know, wow. there's, there's not copies of them. It it really is. And they are just absolutely terrifying. And there is a little gift shop. So you can buy your <laughs> clown memorabilia there. Okay. All right. My, my grandma yeah. had a weird uh, collection of clown artwork, paintings. Uh, and I remember as a kid, I'm like, what grown adult chose to hang this in their billard's room like i just could never wrap my mind around it still can't same yeah (laughs) same (laughs) (laughs) um so the previous owners when they passed away um they are buried in the tonopah cemetery next right next to the property um so obviously it went through a facelift and i have not gone that far north Mm -hmm. in a very long time so i'm sure it looks (laughs) looks a lot better now um Uh, i remember when we drove by it looked it looked uh, freshly painted, uh, which is not easy to do in the in the sun and heat here, because um, it did look like it was you know a wooden structure mainly. Um, but it looked freshly painted. It looked uh, like the most up to date thing in the town. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, all right. So there's 31 rooms in the Clown Motel, and each each of them feature two to three custom pieces designed for each room. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And there is there's some themed rooms, so you can stay in the It Room. Oh. You can stay in the Halloween Room. You can stay in the Friday the Thirteenth Room or an Exorcist Room. Oh wow! If you so choose. Okay. Yeah. If you guys uh, want to know, it's 108, 111, 210, and 214. (laughs) Okay, perfect. (laughs) Just in case. Um, So obviously, it's right next to the cemetery. Some of the things that um, people have seen is the night clerk, Merlina Dufour, says that uh, she sees a mist and apparitions, and she says that she likes to keep the TV on because she hears voices all the time. Yeah, that's fair. That's awful. (laughs) The CEO says that he hears footsteps, knocking, and voices in unoccupied rooms. Okay. Right? Was it you that suggested we stay out there or? Yeah, I wanted to. Not in the clown motel, though. (laughs) Okay. God, no. I'm like, okay. Um, there's another mo- uh, there's another hotel sorry hotel that okay. i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go into a little bit later which actually again has some beautiful it's completely renovated beautiful um renovation that you know we'll post on on the on the instagram so you guys can see it we should go but- and we stay in the the hotel you're speaking of and we leave the kids in the clown motel Oh my God. No. I told you that, that my son said, absolutely not. Did I tell you what he told me? No, I don't think so. Uh, So he watched the ghost adventures episode with me and scared himself shitless Mm -hmm. and was like, I'm not, cause he had originally said he would go. And then he said, I'm not going. And I was like, you're not going anymore. He's like, no, have fun dying. (laughs) He's smart, smart kid. So he's not, you can leave your kids in the, in the cloud. Macy will love it. No. And I, you know, my kids would, um, see the dust 
as well. <laughs> so like right away, uh, Vincent would turn around and just be like, mom, you know, I have asthma. Uh, do we have allergy medicine? And I'd be like, yes, baby, now go to sleep in your sweet little room. So <laughs> that would be their concern as well. Yeah. So uh, the other thing that I found was a couple that were staying there woke to see a group of grayish misty men stumbling around their bedroom. Okay. Fun times. Now, um, why why is this place so haunted? It was built in 85. What has happened there? Well, it's right next to the oh, the cemetery. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So we're going to go, I'm going to talk a little bit about the cemetery, I believe, and it's a little bit further down in my notes. I think the cemetery originally was uh, established in 1900. Okay. So it's it's been around for a little bit. That explains so a lot. So that's why. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was also, and I wasn't able to actually get a copy of this, but I need to dig a little deeper because I'm interested. Um, there is a man named Christopher Sabella, I think. Um, and he actually crowdfunded a trip to spend 30 days living in the Clown Motel. Mm. And he, I believe he's an artist. I'm not, again, not not 100% sure, but you can actually get a graphic novel of his month in the Clown Motel. Interesting. But when I went to look for it, it was sold out, so I wasn't oh, able wow. to get it. But okay. um, it's a hit. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to check that out um, and help him out. So yeah, that's the Clown Motel. I, I really wish there was more information about it, but that it's just like a regular weird looking hotel. Yeah. That's already more though than I ever knew. Like I, I never would have realized it was as new as it actually is. 35 is not that old for a motel in Tonopah. <laughs> um, so I think that's pretty cool. Um, who knew there was themed rooms? I mean, I guess there should be. But I think it's worth looking into. I, I drove past it. It looks like a cool place. And I think it's so important to take advantage of these things around you uh, that a lot of people would really enjoy traveling for. I think so. Um, I think that here there's so much more. I think that we kind of get uh, tarred with one brush, right? It's Nevada yeah. is Las Vegas. Right. Um, but there's, there's so much more right. to, you know, to our state. And I think that's why, you know, I think for me and, and for you, this is why we wanted to do this is kind of share some of those stories. I mean, we have weird stories for sure here in Vegas, but like outside, right. There's also some really weird shit going on. Yeah. Like 2000 clowns. Like 2000 clowns. <laughs> Did you, but I'm going to do an episode on Virginia city. Um, but Virginia city is, city is one of the most haunted cities in in not in Nevada, yes, in Nevada, but also in the U.S. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, crazy. So I did not know that, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna find out some more about it. Um, wait until we do the Goldfield episode. There's there's like 17 ghosts that root that live in the Goldfield Hotel, along with many many others that sort of float through, and they are all real people with real stories. So we're wow, gonna go cool. through that too so that's gonna be really fun okay um but the hotel that i had suggested staying at um in tonopah was the mizpah hotel mizpah. and it is a member of the historic hotels of america it's five stories tall and when it was built was the tallest structure in nevada until 1927 wow it was built in 1907 so that's a good so it was run. five stories tall 1907 and that's yeah. the tallest building love it 
Yeah. Wow. Um, it was the first permanent structure built in Tonopah, and it also included steam heat and had the first elevator. Oh, how cool. Super fancy. Yeah. Yeah. In the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We're staying um, there. Right. That's where you want to stay. <laughs> It was known as the Grand Old Lady for its refined elegance and atmosphere, and the Mizpah changed hands multiple times until Frank Scott, who was the owner of the Union Plaza Hotel. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, it sure downtown. Does. Yeah. Yeah. So he owns the Union Plaza downtown um, in Las Vegas, and he acquired it and updated it. The hotel took about two and a half years to renovate and about $4 million. Oh, wow. Not a small mm-hmm. undertaking at all. No. No, and then in it was actually shuttered in 1999, so okay. closed down, and then was it sat empty and abandoned until 2011. Wow! And it was purchased by Fred and Nancy Klein of Klein Cellars of Sonoma. Okay, so they own a winery, and they renovated and reopened the building to the public in 2011, and so now the hotel has 47 rooms, two restaurants, and a bar. Wow. So it's a fully functioning hotel. And I actually got onto their website to take a look at it and it is beautiful. Okay. They they have done such a good job restoring it. Like it's amazing. I love that. So 10 out of 10 recommend. Okay, I'm gonna go. You say that, but somebody doesn't like somebody doesn't like ghosts. I don't. I don't even like uh <laughs> if my kids make a, a board creak at night. Like so I'm a scaredy cat. That's okay. We'll just wait until I tell you what's ha- what happens in the hotel, and then maybe you'll change your mind. Okay, cool. <laughs> Can't wait. So uh, inside the hotel, the most famous ghost is the lady in red, and she's known as Rose. Okay. There is a suite in her name, so you can stay in in the room, the lady in red room. That sounds awful. And <laughs> well, we haven't even gotten to like the, the most awful part of it, <laughs> okay, like okay. what happened to this poor woman. Okay, okay. Um, so she's said to whisper in men's ears. She'll okay. leave pearls from her broken necklace on pillows. Nice. Yep. Okay. Her actual name was Evelyn May Johnson, and she was born in 1879, and she died on January 2nd, 1914. Wow. Yep. And the owners um, of Klein, Fred and Nancy Klein, they actually decided to name a wine after her. <laughs> of course. So they have a lady in red wine. That's kind of cool. I thought so. I yeah. thought that was kind of cool. Um, she was a prostitute and she was said to be keeping company with a very volatile gambler. He came to find her with a customer, flew into a rage and either strangled, stabbed her or stabbed her to death or maybe a little bit of both. Okay. So this guy <laughs> is a client of hers, yet is that possessive? It didn't really go into a ton of information, although it kind of seemed like maybe that was a boyfriend or maybe like a long-term companion or something mm-hmm. like that. And the story was that she was taking a client and he ended up missing the train. So he came back to the hotel and he found her with another man. Oh, so she's like secretly uh, a prostitute to him. I don't know. To him. Okay. I guess. Hey. Men. Girls got to eat. Um, so basically she was killed in a jealous rage. There's a couple of different stories. Yeah. Can't really nail down the exact story, but jealous rage, strangled and stabbed. Well, that's awful. Or one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, and there was a, a journalist that was like digging into this and her name is Heidi 
Bertolino. And this drove me nuts because I found her articles Mm -hmm. and they're not in English. Oh, no. And I tried to put them through Google Translate (laughs) and Google Translate was like, no, no. So she has these. (laughs) So if anybody decides to like get on and search for her, Heidi Bertolino, and uh, can translate any of the information, she dug into the history of the town. And we just don't um, know what she said. I don't know what she found. <laughs> okay. um, I did find one reference and like that was it or a couple references. And it said that um, when she was cruising around town, she was told by locals not to dig too deep into the Lady in Red story because it could damage the lives of people that were still living there. Oh, wow. Well, that's kind of mm-hmm. scary. And this, yeah. uh, it, what language was this in? I... Good question. Okay. Um, well. <laughs> I looked it up a while ago. I want I want to say potentially German, okay, or something like that, but I could be wrong. Man. I could be wrong. I don't. So, like, remember. how? I mean, what? <laughs> how could this still affect people living today? That's crazy. Well, I don't know either because she died in 1914. Right. So the murderer should be dead as well. I would have thought so, unless maybe maybe it would affect people's livelihoods or something who knows i don't know that's weird but then of course like when i found (laughs) same because that was referenced in another article and so then i went to and i was like oh man this lady was like here yeah and so then i went to like dig into it and i couldn't find it or i found it but not not in the language that i read um so that was really bummer um she also found that um or she reviewed some posts she actually found some postcards saying that the lady in red was a mother of three who followed a married man to tonopah and reportedly died of a broken heart in 1903 on the property before it was the hotel mizpah oh so this is a different story originally the hotel was actually a saloon so it was a saloon and then built like on into a more permanent structure that was the hotel which had a saloon right. in it so um that's another story wow that i was that i found so we've got like the prostitute story and then we've got this like lady that followed the married man which to me mm-hmm. makes more sense how it could affect people right i i agree you know yeah. in the in the town because you know that's a little scandalous for the early 1900s right and maybe these family members are still out there and who knows maybe some of them are brothers and sisters and don't even know it mm-hmm. okay yeah that's exciting <laughs> although let me i so, if i yep. if i was a person in this town a citizen of tonopah i would say outrageous things to tourists just have some fun because it is very empty looking up there true that is true so not to discount it i'm just saying you shouldn't trust me in that type of environment (laughs) to not send you on a wild goose chase okay that's fair that's all that's fair (laughs) um You're like, none of this is true. It's no, I, I, I totally, uh, <laughs> I, like, I totally think it could be true. I just would um, definitely embellish things if I was, you know, a local there. Okay. Just for fun. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. And the thing is, is that either story is possible. A hundred percent. So um, if you would like to see the lady in red in the hotel, you need to request room 502. Oh. However, the lady in red suite is 504. Okay. But she likes to make her appearances in room 502. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah. 
Okay. Is that where we're so, staying? Um, I mean, I hope so. With with a <laughs> bottle of Lady in Red. Yeah. yeah. Well, for you. Okay. Well, fair enough. Well, for you. <laughs> well, neither of us need to drink it. We'll just look at it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Pour one so, out she, But she's homies. not like a – she's a pretty – um, she's not an evil ghost. Like the stuff that she does okay. is very, you know, low key. Okay. Um, she's not gonna hurt you. Um, she says that she's mischievous. So they have a kino board down in the basement mm-hmm. that they don't use anymore, but um, she'll light it up randomly. Oh, that's cool. I mean, she's um, leaving pearls for people. She's apparently yeah, yes. So. Um, actually, that's if you have a chance to watch the ghost adventures, uh-huh. um. It's on Discovery Plus if you have it, but they do they they leave this poor guy down in that basement with the kino board by himself oh God. in the dark with an infrared camera, and I was watching it and I, I t- there was this weird shadow that like ran across the corner of the screen oh. and like I'm getting like body chills now like I was like <gasps> oh my God like it was the weirdest thing okay. Because the kino board didn't light up or anything like that. There were some noises. The elevator went on its own. Like the door opened and closed and opened Mm -hmm. and closed and opened and closed by itself. But this weird shadow that that flitted in the corner just didn't look like – because he's in the dark already. Right. Oh, yeah. So how is there a dark shadow on an infrared camera like that? Oh, so weird. So if you get a chance to watch – Okay, check it out. It was that was that was what I think uh, sent Jojo over the edge. <laughs> He's like, no, you're on your own. He's all this is. I'm not doing this. I'm not smart doing this. kid. Yeah. So um, she'll move guests' items. She'll appear in front of guests, and then she'll disappear through walls. Um, people have reported feeling their arms being rubbed or someone lying next to them. And then um, housekeeping staff says that she leaves handprints on the bedspreads. Oh, okay. I yep. like that. So, All right. Nothing nothing super serious. There's some tight bedspreads. Um, there must be. Yeah. Or maybe they're like the fluffy ones oh, that okay. you can like push okay. down. Fair enough. <laughs> um, makes sense. So this one's a good story. So in the early 1980s, a man who was staying at the hotel entered the elevator from the second floor to go to the lobby. However, when he pushed the button, the elevator went up to the fifth floor. And when it got there, an attractive, well-dressed lady walked in. I remember she... Uh, She was killed on the fifth floor. They made small talk all the way down to the lobby. And when they got all the way down, the man stepped aside to let the woman exit, but she wasn't there. Oh. And when he told the bartender what happened, the bartender asked what she was wearing and it was a red dress. And the man responded and uh, the bartender said, did she say anything? And the man replied that she actually didn't say anything to him. She just smiled and nodded. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that was, that was his story. And then in the 1980s, there are quite a few complaints about the elevator running on its own. Um, apparently music was blaring oh, wow. in there um, or it wasn't working. And then repairmen often reported that uh, they heard a voice telling them to get out. That's her space, man. <laughs> in the elevator. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that, that's gotta be creepy. I can't imagine how I would uh, I mean, there's not a lot you can do, but how would you react if you were on the elevator with a human and then they're just gone? I think, I mean, I'd be really heaved out. Yeah. 
but I would be, I, that would send me in a lifelong search to experience this again so I could understand it more. Yeah. That sounds like you. Yeah. So it would be awful. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> I would go into some mania or something. I'm sure. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. Okay. I'd be riding that elevator um, all day, every day. All day, every day. <laughs> You're like, please come back. Please come Let back. Let me figure this out. Yeah. Um, So I found this direct quote from Travel in Nevada, and it says, desperately leaning on my stance as a non-believer, the doors opened and I was in the thick of the haunted corridor. And of course, while the entire hallway was magnificently illuminated, guess whose room had no light outside of it and whose key didn't work on the first, second or third attempt. Oh, I know. Who. I frantically scouted a light switch as the door swung open into the eerie quarters. Bottom line, the Mizpah isn't on the historic Hotels of America list for no reason. The place is ridiculously comfy and truly fit for a king. That being said, room 502 had an undeniably ominous feeling that was hard to put your finger on. Okay. That's a good review. I thought so. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's going to make me want to go. It is going to make me want to go. And it did. Yeah. And just ride um, that elevator all day long. Up and down looking yeah. for that lady. <laughs> um, in the, again, in the Ghost Adventurers uh, episode, they talk about this stain that always appears, mm-hmm. like on the floor. Okay. Um, even though they rip the carpet out and they clean and they put new carpet in, the stain just keeps reappearing. Is this like supposedly like, like a blood stain? Yeah. I mean, the carpet's red, but yeah, it's supposed to be like a blood stain because you can kind of see it. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. Um, there's also a couple of other, uh, ghosts that you can find on property. So on the third floor, you can find some ghost children. Um, there's no children that were reported to have died on the property. Um, although like who knows, like reported or not reported, who knows? Uh, Donna Audison, the hotel manager believes that the children died elsewhere, but returned to the property because of happy memories they may have had there. (laughs) Guests have said that they hear children running up and down the hallways at night. They have felt tugging on the back of their shirts and unexplained giggling. The children are curious and often ask the maintenance staff as well as Donna what they are doing. Can you imagine? No, not at all. (laughs) They're like, like, hi, what are you doing? Little ghost. (laughs) Um... And then Oberding, which I'm going to re- uh, refer to a lot. She wrote this uh, pretty amazing book about Tonopah, um, and I'll link it in the show notes because I was able to get it from the library. She goes over Tonopah and Goldfield, and she is uh, she's a ghost hunter. Okay. And so she's got some really good stories, really good stories about Goldfield, which um, I use in for my research in the next one. Um But she does describe a little boy that's sometimes dressed in clothing that's over a century old. And sometimes more modern. Huh. He's fashionable. Which I don't know how ghosts have have costume changes. I don't either, but I feel like you have to have some say because people are like choosing in some, well, I don't know. I guess I always felt like once you become a ghost, once you die, you get to choose like when you looked best. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And you go with that. But say you, I think you should be able to switch it up. So good for him. Take advantage, little guy. <laughs> All right. Um, there's also this is a really this is a great story. And again, in the in the episode of Ghost Adventures, like these kids tell the hosts this story as well, which I which I really enjoyed. Um, so the ghost of Senator Key Pittman has been said to be seen around the hotel. 
So it's a rumor that he died in the hotel right before the election and not wanting to lose the election, they actually kept his body on ice (laughs) because they didn't want to let anybody know that he passed away because it was before the election. He was going to win it. So, (laughs) okay. Yeah. I mean, because they didn't want to have to redo it. So if he won and then passed away, I mean, I'm assuming that if it was a senator, then like they would get to pick who goes next, who like takes his place. Um, They really went for it. But they really went for it. But others say that he actually died in Reno. um, And then, but residents of Tonopah say otherwise. Okay. So Hmm. we don't know for sure. I mean, I mean, you guess you, I guess you could dig up like um, death certificates. Right. Wait, so did you say he did win the election? Yes. Okay. And then they were like, psych, he's on ice. He's actually dead in a bathtub. (laughs) Okay. I love that. Yeah, Uh, that's great. Now just curious, do we know what happened from there? No. Okay. (laughs) Because so historians actually say that he died in Reno. Okay. I'm just like, Like, I'm imagining like Biden wins, but he's on ice. mm -hmm. And then they're just like, all right, psych. But Camila Harris is not your president. Like, I wonder how that. You know, I'm not 100% sure in Senate, you know, when it comes to senators, to be honest, I I don't know. I mean, I know, do they hold a special election or do they, does the governor just choose the next one based on the party? I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I don't know, but But, I want to know what happened to that now. Yeah, you guys can let us know. You can email us and let us know. Teach us something. Please. Um, so again, so Janice Oberding has a story of actually seeing Key Pittman when she was staying at the Mizpah and in her book, she says, direct quote, I was startled awake by a humming sound and sat up and saw an old man floating towards the ceiling. He was encircled by a red light and seemed to stare down towards me. He wasn't looking at me, but in my direction. I sat up and said, please, whoever you are, I've got a long drive ahead of me tomorrow and I need some sleep. Okay. Very practical. (laughs) Indeed. Um, Can you imagine? No, I can't imagine that. I don't think I could be that pragmatic either. Just be like, look, sir, I'm going to need you to go. (laughs) Excuse me. Uh, (laughs) Do you mind? No, I would totally freak out and uh, start praying, which is not something I do. (laughs) (laughs) I'd revert to that. I'll hide under the blanket and that'll keep me safe. You know, I just, yeah, I'd feel like, okay, cool. I got to go. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense too. Mm-hmm. Actually leaving the room. I would just be like, this is okay. This is, this is your room it's and I yours. have to go. I don't think I would be like kicking, trying to kick out a ghost. No. I think I'd be just be like, all right, so I'm going to. I digress. Out. It's all yours. <laughs> yeah. Um, And then the last ones, Um, actually, no, there's, a, I have a couple of other ones, but oh no, I have a good, I have a a really really good one this is um, i'm going to move into the cemetery in a second okay and this story is wild but uh last two are two miners two ghost miners that occupied the basement of the hotel um so the hotel originally also housed the bank okay. for this for the town and in the basement was the vault so they built this vault that was like concrete and steel all the way around except for the floor in a mining town with two miners living in the basement with the vault well 
the no the two miners are stuck in the basement they're ghosts oh (laughs) but okay okay. but can you imagine we're not going to put anything down on the ground it's a dirt floor right and we're in a mining town surrounded by gophers right everybody's job (laughs) is to tunnel under the earth yeah i can't imagine that went well it did not. Um, so there's two two ghost miners. But the story is that there were three miners that set out to rob the bank. And once they'd gotten through the floor, uh-huh. one miner shot the other two, leaving the bodies in the vault, and then escaped with all the money. How crazy. Okay, that's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't surprise me. And you don't have to be a miner. Like, I would totally have been digging <laughs> as well. <laughs> Like the plan was awful, but dang. Yeah. Okay, so he just left them in there. Yeah. Do we know so he how left long them in they there. were in there? Uh, no. Okay. I don't know, but I'm assuming not that long because if it was a bank vault, I'm sure there's people coming and going. Oh, for sure. Ooh. So I'm sure they weren't there that long. But people have heard coughing and knocking, and then in the ghost adventures, they actually do EVP. Oh. And you know, like I don't know how you feel about EVP, but. There are a lot of times when I think people sort of read into or hear into what they want. Right. No, I do too. In EVP. Yeah. Um, but this EVP, I swear to God, it says we've got work to do. Oh. And that's I was like without a shadow of a doubt. I was when I was listening to it, I was like, that's exactly what it says. We've got work to do. You know, I feel like there are very specific things that are said sometimes in EVPs that I can totally get behind. And then sometimes it's just too generic of a statement that it could be translated into whatever you want to hear, like you said. Um, But we've got work to do. I don't, I mean, that seems pretty specific. Yeah. And I thought, I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense for the, you know, the space that they're in and what they did, you know, because there's so many, they're like, get out or, you know, that. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So I I don't know, but that one that EVP to me was was super, yeah, super clear. I'm so pretty uh, I, I'm pretty objective with EVPs. I don't get too hung up on them sometimes, um, or most of the time, because it's like remember when you're a kid and you had to hold your tongue, or you didn't have to, but you'd hold your tongue to say things like apple. Mm-hmm. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah, it it does. <laughs> and like I said, I think that, you know, these noises happen and then, you know, people want to read into or hear what they want to hear into yeah. it. I mean, like I said, some of it I think is super clear and some of it to me, I'm like, eh, I mean, it could be that, yeah. but it also could be other things. Right. So we've got work um, to do. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. I thought so. It wasn't wrong. I liked it too. Um. Yeah. So that. Um, that's all the ghosts that inhabit the hotel. Okay. Um, and then our next, so we're going to talk about the cemetery. So the cemetery, the first residents of the cemetery were laid to rest in 1901. Okay. And then the last ones came in 1911. So this original cemetery, they, um, they had to move it just because, oh, what did they say? Uh, it wasn't full. Cause the guy was like, no, it's not cause it's full. It just, I think, um, that the ground wasn't suited okay for it so they ended up relocating it so the cemetery that was that at one point was not next to the clown motel was moved mm-hmm. next to the clown motel mm-hmm. okay well no wonder why everyone's pissed off yeah yeah of course yeah that's awful so 
the so we're going to talk about the original one. They've got some cool. They've still got some cool headstones. They've got some people that are still in the the original one. But I think uh, something it was something to do with the the way that the ground was, and it was not stable to be burying people in there anymore. That's fair. Um, but this super interesting one, this lady named Bina Veralt, also known as Mrs. Hamilton. She was born in 1870, and she drifted into Tonopah as a prospector, but wasn't really suited to the hard work. Like, she clearly was not, like, a hard working, like, with her hands woman when she showed up in Tonopah. Yeah. She was about 34. She was only 34 years old when she passed. Wow. Okay, that's quick. So, really quick. Um she was born in Ironton, Wisconsin, okay. and her maiden name was Bina Finnegan, and she was described as having deep, dark eyes, a rosy complexion, chestnut hair, daz- and dazzling charm. Dazzling charm. Dazzling charm. God, I want that her- description. <laughs> I, want, I want somebody to tell me that I have dazzling charm. Darling, you have dazzling charm. Yeah, okay, I don't. I don't think I have any charm, but uh, <laughs> definitely not dazzling. Um, <laughs> her father frequented saloons, and he was actually killed in a bar brawl. Oh, ouch! Yep. And then her mother died shortly after. All right, and there she is. So she was just out in the world alone. So when she was a teenager, she ended up going to Chicago and found employment. Um, so she was just out there doing it. She often indulged in shoplifting when she needed clothing. <laughs> Love that. Okay. Like you do. Yeah. Like, <laughs> As one does. Huh. I can't so imagine in ni- getting away with that back then. Like how, where, where do you put your petticoat that you're stealing? Right. That's what I thought too. And I know from, <laughs> you know, from, mo- from movies um, <laughs> that, you know, those, they weren't just like off the rack stores. No. Like you'd have, uh, right. It's not custom. Yeah. I mean, this is made for you, like right. Interesting, or exactly. So, I mean, there's <laughs> shop girls and people working with you one on one. So, I'm not really sure. She she tried something on and went right out the back door. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Interesting. Maybe that's well, what it was. More power to her. Yeah. I'd say she's a professional. So, she can get away with that. Oh, just wait. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the beginning. So in 1906, she opened what's called a love syndicate with a woman named Zella Brown. And what a love syndicate was, is, was, I don't know if we have them anymore. Can we talk about this? I, we do have them. We just don't call them love syndicates, but we should. should. So their job was to coax large sums of money from men. And they posed as wealthy, marriageable widows. (laughs) <laughs> okay we should totally yeah. have these now yes so they would put mm-hmm. um ads in the paper like husband looking for a husband okay all right okay this love syndicate operated for three years and was estimated to have netted the women a hundred thousand dollars but wait it gets better a hundred thousand dollars in their time so i actually went you can look for an inflation calculator and you can put it into the computer yeah 3.2 million dollars is what it would be today look at these love syndicates Mm -hmm. i love i wonder if that's like an actual like tax bracket like like uh (laughs) you're like i am i have a love syndicate and that's like legal work or not I don't know. I don't know either, but I'm go. curious. We're starting that. Okay. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't think I have enough dazzling charm. 
<laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> to coax wealthy men into giving me money. Fair enough. Um, I just want to be able to put it on my title. Just put it on your title. All right, done. <laughs> I am now the owner of a love syndicate. There you go. Um, so the men ranged, you know, from store owners to millionaire financiers, and approximately 100 men were involved in this in the Dang. span of three years. All right. So there were so there originally it was just the two. They ended up um, being able to um, coax a couple other women. So there were four total. Mm-hmm. And what's great about this is each of them had like their own separate job. So Bina was the official letter writer, <laughs> and she was the one that was sent out to find and capture the hearts of men. Wow, nice. She must have yeah. had a dazzling charm. She did. Yeah. She was the one that had the dazzling charm okay. and the deep dark eyes okay. and the chestnut yes, hair. That's right. Okay. You're right. Okay. <laughs> Circling around. Okay. Um, so it said it was said that she did in did fall in love with a few of her admirers, but uh, she never followed through with any of that. It's oh, fair. She's got a business. So run. she's got a business and she's right. a very busy lady. Right. She can't allow herself to fall in love with a anyone. True professional. Oh, true professional. Mm-hmm. Um, she did have one real love affair with a Boston lawyer. Um, but this is great. When he didn't come to see her, she went to his office and caused a scene. Oh. He ordered her out of the office. Mm-hmm. And so she took, she went home and she took dichloride of mercury to try and end her life. Wow. Okay. Yep. Interesting. That's sad. Um, So she would also do things like tell people stories mm -hmm. um, that, you know, she would say she would pretend she was a a medium and she'd be like, your grandmother says that you need to invest in this company. (laughs) And she would do things like that. Wow. Yeah. Very intense. Well. Super intense. We do not have that much dazzling charm. You're right. (laughs) I I don't think I do. (laughs) Um, But I found, I actually found 34 different newspapers from the early 1900s chronicling her life. Wow. That's really interesting. So people Mm -hmm. were really interested in her. Yeah. And it was from all over. So obviously ones from uh, Tonopah, Chicago, and Wisconsin, which is where she was Mm -hmm. from, but then also like all over the the country. So I thought that was, uh, that was super interesting. She died in she died October 23rd 1906 um and she was actually i believe she ended up drinking herself to death well drinking that mercury to death that's awful yeah 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 wow so well that was uh so that was Bina Veralt and then so we're going to go through a couple of the other people that i found in the when i was looking at the um cemetery so George Devil Davis, he was the first African-American in Tonopah. He was a political leader and an integral part of the community. How cool. He was popular for being a jokester or a prankster. Um, he, was a, the, he was a porter from the Tonopah Club and then eventually became the owner of the Eureka Saloon. Wow, very cool. So very cool. But then oh. in June 22nd, 1907, he was shot by his wife oh. um, in the saloon in the back. And it is said that she continued shooting him on the way down. Oh, man. She did not give in. Okay. She was not. Um, so during the trial, many people came forward and claimed that George was actually an abusive husband. Oh, okay. Well, yep. so that could mm-hmm. explain the not <laughs> letting him go. Yep. Um, 
So her name was Ruth, and she only served one year for the shooting. Okay. And then it was said that she ended up moving to Goldfield and working as a prostitute. Oh, so her ghost might be floating back and forth. Yeah. So I I feel like like that's just like a super sad ending for her life. Like, you know, she's with this man who does really well, but he's awful to her. And then she kills him, which I at the time she has every right to. Right. And then she ends up, you know, as a working girl. And I think that's kind of sad. It is sad. You know, he had to have been known for not being a very kind man to her because I can't imagine someone um, with his status. Uh, You said he was an elected official, I believe, and that kind of stuff. Yep. And then shot pretty brutally from behind and then her only get one year. So I would think it it was probably common knowledge that he wasn't good to her, which probably, which also sucks, really. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is the early 1900s, too. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, attitudes were a little different about what's acceptable to, like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, <laughs> so we have in the cemetery also have the Mar- Marajevich brothers. They died on June 20, 1907 at the Belmont Mine mm. when a mining cart broke loose and broke loose and crushed one of the brothers. And then ran over the legs of the other one who both who had to have both legs amputated. Oh, damn. The mining stories that I found when I was doing like this one in Goldfield is horrific. Wow. Yeah. Like, it was the hardest and like most dangerous work. It was crazy. No, I can't imagine. No, I can't imagine either. So uh, Big Bill Murphy, there's actually a statue of him right outside the post office. Okay. He is um, known as the hero of the Belmont mine fire. So he actually ran into the mine two times to save the miners. Wow. Okay, Big Bill. Yep. So sometime between 2.30 a.m. and 4.30 a.m. on February 23rd, 1911, a fire broke out in the mine, and it was 1,100 feet below the surface. Wow. That's far. It was, and this is so irritating and just awful, but it was surmised that somebody carelessly left a candle burning. <sighs> of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many of the miners were able to crawl into the cage to get out, but many were obviously stuck below the surface. Big Bill was a cage operator. That was his job that day. Um, but he ran back in the morning or the, like the late, you know, the late night to load up as many men as he could to bring them back up. So he saved 17 men wow. and actually perished in the mine that day. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's an awful ending. Yep. All the victims of the mine were actually recovered and then brought to the surface and laid to rest. Wow. So they were able to find everybody. Okay. Well, good yep. on you, Big Bill, but sorry you got stuck down there. That's awful. I know. It's like, man, um, you know, just reading about the like the quote unquote wild west right has been it's been a little eye opening for me i mean i've lived here for t- almost 30 years mm-hmm. and like i didn't you know take a lot of time to read into a lot of this stuff but now that i've done a lot of this like digging i'm like man this was i it was a lot for people to want to come out here and do this well i think about it all the t- i was thinking about it today when i was driving back from your house i you look around you and if, if you really take away all of, you know, what we've cultivated here, the landscape is so unforgiving. You have mm-hmm. dirt and some vegetation, but 
these mountains that are just outrageous and the and the heat and the cold i always wonder like what kind of human had to had the gumption to be able to survive uh what this was before air conditioning and before you know water systems and all of that kind of stuff i just can't imagine it yeah i can't either i can't imagine coming out here and being like this is it Right. Here we go. Right. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pitch a tent and I'm going to start digging. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. Uh, Which also Um, makes sense to why, you know, when these towns like Tonopah uh, were done, they were done and they were just left. Absolutely. Because when that resource is gone, what what is keeping you there? Because it is Mm -hmm. a brutal environment to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The next person is Sheriff Tom Logan. And he was born in Washoe County, which is in the in part of where Tonopah is in Reno and stuff. So it's up in the north um, in 1861. Mm-hmm. Um, he served three terms as a sheriff. He was really, really loved. And he was actually shot by a rogue gambler. Yeah. The sheriff was called to the saloon where two gamblers were arguing and causing a disturbance. He asked the men to go home. And as he turned to leave, a gamb- the gambler's name, who is... It's, Again, I'm going to mispronounce this. Barry, you shot the sheriff five times point blank and then was later acquitted. It's always the out of towners. (laughs) He was described in the paper as a native of France and an absinthe fiend. He was arrested several weeks earlier and was chained to a tree for drunkenness and disturbing the peace. (laughs) Okay, first off, okay, I know it's a story, but. Boy, times have changed. Uh, mm-hmm. He was tied to a tree. Can you imagine just like riding your wagon through town and seeing the local drunk like train chained to a tree? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I I'm just so shocked that he just got acquitted. They're like, oh, yeah, that must have been a mistake. You shot our sheriff. He had some um, like some crazy awesome lawyer in the story that I was reading, oh. and it was a lawyer okay. that had gone on to be like an elective official like the governor or something Mm. like that but he had Mm. but still can you imagine like somebody gets shot five times point blank in a saloon surrounded by people right like what was the what's the argument for that i don't know it just goes to show if you know the law you can manipulate quite well that's true um man yeah that sucks yeah, I got more though. Okay. So <laughs> I got more in that story. So more. yeah, he was he was chained to a tree for drunkenness. Um so once he was so originally before he faced trial and they they put him in the jail, um, they had a they had to put up extra guard for him because the townspeople were going to lynch him. Well, I bet. Yeah, so they were not that's how how, how well liked the sheriff was. Yeah. Um so after he passed the body was laying in state at the opera house and thousands of people turned out to pay their respects oh well that guy had to have gotten out of town um yeah and then right so right before his this i thought was really cool so i wanted to add this in here but right before the sheriff's death he was working with the district attorney to require people to carry a permit for a concealed weapon imagine imagine that in the wild west direct quote 
a lawman, he said. So, and I really, and I really love this quote too. They put this in here. Uh, he said, it's the man who has a gun in his pocket with no special purpose that gets into trouble and causes trouble for others. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, totally agree with that, that I'll go totally off base here. But um, if you, yeah, you need a purpose. That's all. That's all mm-hmm. I'll say on that. Mm-hmm. He's not No, wrong. I think you're absolutely right. Way ahead I don't of think his he's time. wrong either. And that's what I thought too. Yeah. Like way ahead of his time. Because again, we have that like Wild West mentality and that yeah. like gunslingers and stuff. But I just thought that was that was very, very progressive for him. Agreed. Um he left behind a wife and eight children. Oh boy. Who all went on to thrive and do amazing things. Um, so his story, like his story about his wife, and uh, if I remember right, his wife's got some like really cute name, like Sunshine or something like oh. that. And his kids all have like cute names that are flowers, and like it's really nice. Um, the EVPs recorded at the cemetery say that they hear a gunshot, which is attributed to him testing one of his guns. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I thought that was a really nice story. Um, we have the three Merton brothers. And they are laying to rest side by side. And this is, I can't imagine being the mother that had to deal with this. So um, they died within two years. Ooh. All three of them died within two years of each other. Not good. The first and oldest brother, Al- Albert, mm-hmm. uh, died of typhoid fever. Okay. And then the second brother, who was named Sam, died in the Montana mine. So it is a mine in Nevada, but it's called the Montana mine. <laughs> um, but... The coroner's inquest couldn't determine a cause of death, so it was thought that he had a heart attack or heart failure, and he was dead by the time he fell to the bottom of the cage. Wow. Yep. Okay. However, falling mangled his body, and his head was nearly decapitated. Oh. Yeah, What's and then the mine was exonerated. Like? I mean, I'm assuming it's the cage that takes take the men up and down, right. but I don't know what it looks like. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, the mind was actually exonerated of any wrongdoing because his apparently his heart failed. And I wonder about that, too, because, again, early 1900s. Was it heart failure? But do we just not know? Like, did we just not know enough? And I can't imagine having the technology to know, like, oh, before he fell to his death or whatever and was mangled, um, his heart gave out. Like, how could they really place those? Mm-hmm. two uh, you know events so close together and really specify i don't know but Someone here's the off. here's the kicker uh william merton the youngest brother was 17 years old and he was he was driving his wagon around mm-hmm. um i think he was uh, delivering um something from like the local store or something like that and he actually died suddenly of heart failure as well okay well Seems weird, right? It does seem weird. Maybe two brothers. Maybe they maybe they have a heart, you know, genetic defect. Abnormality, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But wow, that's awful. I can't imagine that either. Seventeen. I mean, seventeen. And all three <sighs> of those boys died in between nineteen oh eight and nineteen ten. Dang. And I assume that they probably supported their mother, which is why they were all working. I'm so I'm sure they supported their family. Yeah. I didn't see anything about like their actual like mom or dad or anything. Yeah. But even so, I mean, even assuming mom and dad, dad's probably a minor, mom's probably at home, like they all had to work. Right. 
you know, it's pretty meager. Like you said, there's not a lot out here. No, you need. It's not like you can farm. No, you need a whole family to make it work. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's awesome. Absolutely. Okay. This is a fun one. It's called the Haggard Hitchhiker. Ooh. And um, I, I wanted to keep it small because we're going to kind of go into this a little bit in the, the episode that I'm working on right now, which is huge. Okay. Um, so occasionally on a stretch of highway near the Lita Junction, you will see a haggard hitchhiker stumbling along the side of the road. However, when you look in your rearview mirror, he's gone. Oh. So some say that it's the ghost of Howard Hughes <laughs> trekking along the highway that he knew quite well in life. So Hughes owned mining operations near the Comstock that was and was rumored to rumored to frequent the Cottontail Ranch. Okay. Yes, yes, he did. So for those of you who don't know what the Cottontail Ranch is, it is a brothel. Um which we have a few of. Yes, it's a high in it, and around. From what I understand, it was a very high-end brothel at the time. I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, Howard I mean, Hughes, Hughes has the money yeah. for it. <laughs> He doesn't need to scrounge around anywhere. No. And when I started, so I'm doing, I'm working on that episode of Howard Hughes right now. And, you know, I've watched, I've watched the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Uh, I did not use that in my research. But in my sort of like very preliminary research of Howard Hughes, I am just astounded at the amount of stuff that he was involved in and the amount of money right? that he had. Right. I mean, I knew almost nothing. I mean, I'm going to be fair and I don't want to talk about it too much, but he did come from wealth to begin with. Well, there's that. There's that. Uh, so I think that was helpful. It's always helpful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Little so, um, It's always helpful. Yeah. But I think he yeah. took it way to a whole nother level. Oh, absolutely. Like he was very, very smart and a very smart businessman, very smart with his money. Um, but legend says that uh, a man traveling to Las Vegas saw the haggard man laying on the side of the road. He pulled over thinking the man was sick or dead. He picked him up and the man claimed to be Howard Hughes and asked to be dropped off at the Sands Hotel. Huh. Um, so the man that picked him up on the side of the road and has, uh, has the story actually. And again, I'll get into this in the Howard Hughes one a little bit more um, delivers a will that has him like in it. Oh, I swear there's a movie. Is this the Leonardo DiCaprio movie? Well, the aviator is about Howard Hughes. Okay. I swear there's a movie out there about a man that picks up someone on the highway and like it ends up being a ghost and somehow he's in a will and it was like Howard Hughes. I'm pretty sure that's every the beginning of every horror story. Okay. Or horror movie. <laughs> See, I haven't seen him. I don't know. It just picking up. It just sounds so weird, familiar, but it's never happened weird to me. Light of the road. Yeah. Uh, there may be. I mean, the Aviator, the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, really just covers like the peak of his life. Yeah. I remember uh, watching that because I I love a good uh, based on true story uh, mm-hmm. movie, but I don't. I don't actually, it was so long ago. I don't actually remember the movie. I just remember watching it and, and bits and pieces, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a big one. All right. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. So that's the Haggard Hitchhiker, which could or may or may not be Howard Hughes. Fair enough. Um, and then this one, like I had no clue that this was even a thing. Um, it's called the Cursed Air Base. Oh. Uh, so After the attack at Pearl Harbor in 1941, the U.S. Air Force began building the base at Tonopah to train 
um, pilots in the operation of the Bell P-39, planes that were designed for overseas combat. However, within two years, 12 fighter squadrons were trained at the airfield. And in that time, 59 fatal accidents occurred involving 257 pilots and crew members. Wow. What? Yeah. That's crazy. 59, 59 fatal accidents. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Yep. So um, in total, there would be 135 fatalities and 59 aircrafts destroyed on the base. Hmm. And it was... A lot of it was freak accidents. So like a machine gun went out of control is one of the stories. Firing in all directions and killing three men. My God. Um, a raging fire swept through the barracks, killing three officers. A B-24 crew member was killed when he walked into a spinning propeller blade. <laughs> there was a lot of drinking going on, I think. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot out there, so no. potentially. Um <laughs> There were there was an oxygen supply issue that interrupted um, oxygen supply to two men who suffocated in gun turrets. Um, So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And um, for anybody that doesn't know about Nevada, we have a lot of military bases and military things here. Um, We only live in a small part of the actual state. A lot of it is BLM land owned by the federal government. So they use it a lot, a lot for um, for military things yeah so when when i was stationed in the military this was supposed to be my first duty station uh thank god it wasn't because i would have gotten so much trouble being in vegas as an 18 year old but um i think we were explained that 90 percent of nevada is um government owned and only 10 percent is occupied by you know regular civilians so that is quite a lot of land. And so when you hear things like Area 51, Nevada is actually broken up by hundreds of areas. And so like there's Area 102 and there's Area 278. And so Area 51 is just one little chunk of what's going on that the government's doing. So it's pretty. It's a pretty interesting place uh, in the U.S. actually, military-wise. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... And it's very strange because there's actually several bases out here. So like Nellis is a base. And then we also have uh, Creech, which is technically a separate base. And one is lived on, habitable and occupied, and one is not. Um, and then there we have, which we'll go into someday, we have Mercury City, which is also uh, ran by the government and is a very weird place. I know I can't wait to hear about this one. So I, you talked to me about Mercury City, and I have it has taken everything in me to just not Google it. <laughs> uh, it's pretty cool. I think there's only two nuclear cities uh, in the U.S., if not the world, right now. Um, I'll have to get deeper into that research. Um, and when I was in the military, normally you would stay uh, in the hotel on base. And they were renovating it. So they sent us out to Mercury City. So I spent a week on that base. And it is one of the most bizarre places I've ever uh, been. And I didn't really appreciate how weird things were till I got out of the military. Yeah. I, I think it was just kind of you just did what you were told. And then afterwards I was like, what was that? Um, and I wish I would have really took some pictures. 
Yeah, I wish you would have too. Because I, again, like don't know anything about it. So I'm super, super excited. But um, just to wrap it up, the air base is located seven miles away from Tonopah and obviously is now abandoned. Um, And at the heyday, there were 7,000 men stationed there. Okay. And when people visit or go and like go and hang around, they often see uh, soldiers like through like walking walking through like barracks and stuff, but they see them through windows typically. Wow. Cool. Um, Cause obviously you can't really, but I guess like obviously it's military owned, so you can't really get onto it. I'm sure you can get to it. Right. But not in it. Right. <laughs> we'll have to look into so. that too. How cool. Yeah. So um, I'm going to link Janice Oberding's book in the show notes, Ghosts of Goldfield and Tonopah. So I also use her book in our next Goldfield one, but that was really helpful. Um, And then it was like the Travel Nevada website was super helpful. And um, I actually found through UNLV a website that um, has scanned in um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, newspapers. Scanned in newspapers from <laughs> right so the, from the 1900s to the, like the 1970s, and you can search them just just by typing in like a keyword, and that's how I was able to find like a ton of the information about the people, like Big Bill Murphy and the marriages, Maradivich brothers and stuff. I actually pulled a lot of that information from uh, primary resources, their news, the newspapers, which was really a really really cool. That's thing. really cool. I love that yeah. there was actual people and stories like linked to it because so many, mm-hmm. so many stories you hear are just, you know, legends and just kind of passed down hearsay. So the fact that there's actual like newspaper information to go along with it is priceless. So, yep. Good job, Talia. So that's it. Hey, thanks. Yeah. So, um, I learned so much about uh, like, Tonopah. I didn't even know. Right? Yeah. I learned so much about Tonopah as well. <laughs> Uh, so if you guys want to reach us, uh, you can follow us on Instagram at the crazy never die pod. You can send us an email at the crazy never die LV at gmail.com. And then if you want to hit us up on Twitter, it is never die podcast. And we would love to hear from you. Um, we will answer everything. And if you have anything that you want to share with us, um, any corrections, if we said anything wrong, please let us know so we can make those corrections. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What are we doing next week? Okay. So next week we are actually going over the MGM fires. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm super excited about it. I lived here for quite a while, never heard anything about it. And it just happened to run across uh, information I saw at some point. Uh, and when I dug deep into it, I couldn't believe some of the stuff I found read. Um, and it goes a little bit into some ghost activity too, which I wasn't expecting. So. Cool. I'm super excited. I don't know a lot about it except that it happened. Yeah, it sure did. So I'm, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited to, to hear that. So we will see you guys next week. Thank you so much. And we'll, yeah, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.